Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, here to kick off another season of IndyCar Weekly, our weekly podcast, uh, or or mostly weekly podcast, as I guess I should say. We try to uh, preview and recap every race on the IndyCar schedule, um, just with the, the ups and downs, the ins and outs as the season goes along. This will be our preview episode as we look toward not only the St. Pete weekend um, here in just a couple days, season starting on February 27th, but just this 2022 IndyCar season at large. So many drivers changing teams, um, so many rookies, lots of really interesting storylines to break down and follow this year. So without further ado, Perfect time to bring in one of those drivers that has been pretty busy this offseason. My co-host, Jack Harvey, on the number 45 Hyvee Honda with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Jack, I know it's been several months now since we uh, taped one of these back in October. I think it was just at the time where uh, you had been able to formally announce your plans for 2022 and beyond. Um and you were super excited at that point. How has um, have the past couple months been as you've adjusted to all of these changes, both inside and outside the race shop? Well, welcome back. Here we are again. Um, to be honest, mate, the last few months have been awesome. <clears throat> you know, I didn't get to travel to the UK for Christmas. That's probably the only negative uh, that we've been dealing with. But, um, you know, I think it's safe to say that you know, halfway through last year, you know, at the end of last year, people kind of seemed to know where we were, where we were going. Um, you know, and to be honest, everybody at RLL has completely, you know, embraced me and welcomed me with open arms. And uh, you know, the off season has been has been really great. I spent a huge amount of time with all the guys and girls uh, over in Brownsburg while the new shop is being built. Got to spend a lot of time with High V as well. Uh, you know, just enjoyed you know the off season, and I think this is probably my Again, mine has not been able to travel to the UK in terms of, in purely just terms of feeling ready and you know having chance to you know enjoy the off season, but also stay kind of in work mode. Now, this has been the best one I've had, uh, and I think some of that just comes from a bit more experience, maybe in some ways a little more relaxed. Uh, you know, just in my situation and kind of like where I'm at right now with uh, with racing and whatnot. So uh, it's been awesome, and to be honest, man, I think you've got bigger news than me <laughs> since we last chatted. To be fair, uh, so congratulations to you and your wife because I mean that's yes. been a life-changing experience for you guys. It has been. It. Uh, I am uh, still with the same team uh, as you would say with with Indy Star, but um, this uh, this off season has 
definitely been one with lots of change. We welcomed our uh, new baby boy, Theodore Domingo Brown. Uh, we call him Teddy. Um, he was born on December 21st, just a couple days shy of Christmas. He was actually, funny story, he was actually due on Christmas Day. Um, so we were really wow. crossing our fingers. Uh, we'd, we'd known that, I mean, back probably since, I don't know, May or something like that. So we'd kind of been inching towards this deadline of like, man, I really, really hope, uh, you know, he's a couple days early. So we were, we were able to get out of the hospital and back home a day or two before Christmas, which was nice. So, um, you know, spent pretty much, um, for the most part, since we taped last back in October, um, beyond, you know, following all the off season news was super busy around the house, getting the, uh, you've been on diaper duty, mate. What? Yes, yes, I have. Die for jury. I was, uh, I've haven't changed quite as many diapers uh, the last couple weeks since I got back to work here in February. But there was a, a stretch there where I was, you know, kind of thrown into uh, the baptism of of all it is of of taking care of a, a little baby boy. I had, I don't think I changed a diaper actually before he was born. So that was. Um, an eye-opening experience, but just a really great last couple months to be able to spend with, uh, spend with him and my wife Daniela hunkering down here in these uh, this Indiana winter. Not really doing a whole lot, but just um, experiencing what it's like to to be a dad. I know we've had a lot of new dads in Indy Carpatic, and it really is everything that that everyone um, tells you it is, and so much more. But at the same time, uh, I feel like I got a. a um, new invigoration for, for this job and, um, really, you know, a, a couple months off as, as busy and crazy and hectic as it was taking care of him. And my wife, um, was, was really great to kind of recharge and, and get ready for this season. I think it's a really, a really exciting one for lots of reasons. Um, just to, to see how some of these new teams and, uh, new driver combinations, will will pan out in this season i've done some of that anal analysis already on indystar.com you guys can can find some of those pieces there but we will we'll break a little bit of it down here ahead of st pete i know it's hard to really project too much about how teams are going to look you you come into a season and tends to i think in lots of ways you know predict or or want to see the best um, out of everyone as you're, you know, making some, some predictions with how things are going to shake out or how, you know, how many drivers are going to win races, who's going to win how many and things like that. But, um, maybe when, maybe a good place to start, maybe outside of your team, which I know, um, has undergone a lot of change. And I know some folks have some questions, um, that we can visit here in a couple of minutes. Is there any one team in the paddock, um, that you are maybe maybe not impressed let's maybe use a different word just the most intrigued by from some of the changes or maybe even lack of changes that they made in this offseason well i think you kind of hit the nail on the head i, I feel like people either like really hunkered down and kind of like solidified their teams uh, you know penske go into three cars uh you know the ganassi team really is the same uh, more or less, obviously, just with Jimmy expanding. McLaren, really the same. Uh, but then, obviously, you've got other teams. You know, Ray Hall, probably the 
team who's made the biggest changes uh, in the off season. So I think it's going to be a really interesting start to the year. Uh, I think, you know, if you were looking at it playing devil's advocate, there's so little testing time right now that, you know, continuity of people probably is worth, uh, is worth something. You know, that being said, at least my experience within RLL was that we had a great first test in Sebring, um, you know, and the atmosphere and the energy within the building, you know, with the additions of me, with Christian, uh, you know, sponsors expanding like High V, and just kind of the, way, the direction the team is going, um, the level of excitement that we have is really strong. So to be honest with you, all the teams impress me. Uh, you know, we don't take any single one of them lightly. Uh, you know, we give as much respect to all the teams, you know, top and bottom, because I think it's, we know how difficult it is to compete at this level, uh, you know, and certainly feel like as a driver, having been part-time to then a full-time, you know, been on every scale as as, as you were. And um, the, the best thing we love about IndyCar racing, at least that I love about IndyCar racing, I think a lot of people do, is that if if things just go your way on that weekend, the opportunity of winning is is there. Um, you know, part time or full time, in all fairness, and I think that's what just makes the racing so so exciting. So you look at teams, and to be honest, all the teams are impressive. You know, they're all doing really great things in different ways. And even that aside, <laughs> this stage of the year, if you're not confident, then I don't know what has happened in your off season, but Heading into St. Pete, without doubt, in my mind, is, you know, the most optimistic we are. It's the most confident we are. You know, we've had a great off-season. We're really ready to get started. St. Pete has been a decent track for me in the past. So, it's 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 so difficult. And, obviously, everyone on the 45 is hoping that you got your per-race prediction, winner's prediction wrong because you didn't have us down as a race winner this year. So, here we're going to go out there and try and prove you wrong. Um, but it's tough, you know, because like you said, you talk about like storylines and this year, I mean, if someone said, what are your top five storylines? It's probably quite hard, you know, to actually pick five things. I mean, there's experience across the board, you know, rookies, returning champions, lots of champions, Indy 500 winners, you know, just galore uh, right now. And then you've also got the people in the middle who are still aspiring to, uh, you know, really achieve big things, which is where I put ourselves in that category. So to be honest, mate, it is... I thought last year was exciting. Uh, it certainly seemed to have a really great atmosphere and energy around the season. This year, to me, is that plus a little bit. So, uh, speaking on behalf of all the drivers here, at this point in the year, we're just excited to get on track. Yep, that was you. You mentioned uh, the race winner exercise that I I went through. Um, it's been posted a couple of days ago on on IndyStar.com. I will tell you that of all of the things that I do as a um, as a journalist covering this series, that's probably got to be the toughest exercise. And, and some people call it, you know, really silly, you know, to try and act like you're, you know, sitting here with this crystal ball to, you know, forecast what's going to happen. And I, I can understand some of that. But I think it, in some ways for me, it, it really has helped uh, each year just kind of in lots of ways, like you're, you're forced to like dive into, you know, each driver and each team we can, it's pretty easy to gravitate toward, you know, knowing a lot about the teams at the top, um, you know, the, the Penske's Ganassi's, um, 
Andretti's, McLaren's, Ray Hall, you know, types of teams. But I've I've enjoyed doing that. It's at the same time, you know, I think I came out this year with like nine drivers winning races, and I I have to tell you, I think there are legitimately you know 15 16 guys um that i think could be winning races this year and i would certainly put you on that list so i hope you prove me wrong um i think you were probably Uh, we will we'll try (laughs) we'll uh we'll uh see if you can maybe even heck maybe even do that here in saint pete i know as you mentioned this has been a really good track for you over the years and i think been a pretty good one for um both Graham and and even Takuma, who's now moved on to to Coin. So we'll see see if you can uh, make me over one just to start things off the bat. But I, I'll I'll echo that. I think this is a, another really exciting year for IndyCar. Um, we I'm sure we talked about on podcasts last year how deep uh, the field was, and I uh, amazingly I think it's got even gotten even more so. The I think the one team I'll I'll answer my own question here. The the team that I am the most intrigued to see perform this year, I would say, is Team Penske. Um, you mentioned they moved from four full-time cars. They lost Simon, who's gone to Meyershank Racing, and they're now at three. Um, we know Joseph is a, you know, a race-winning contender week in and week out. He's won two championships in four years. Um, I don't think there's any doubt at what we're going to see from him, but after... Um, after some of the seasons that we saw from Will and Scott McLaughlin, um, I think there's a lot of expectations weighing on some of those two guys' shoulders, whether, uh, you know, whether Will can still be a potential title contender. I think he had the worst season that he'd had in his full-time career at Team Penske last year, finishing ninth. While still, he still was a race winner, he still, I think, picked up at least one pole um, and had lots of weekends where he was either on or around the podium. But I think it will be really interesting to see if he can continue to keep up that pace as a top five driver in this series and, and bounce back. Uh, because if not, all of a sudden, you know, maybe Penske is, a, you know, a, a half step, say, maybe even just behind you know some of these other teams that have three cars and four cars. Um, because you behind him, you've got Scott McLaughlin, who uh, had some really good flashes as a rookie a year ago he finished second in one of those races at texas i think he had three or four other top tens but had a lot of the inconsistencies that i think you would expect out of a guy who's diving into open wheel racing really for the first time in his racing career um and if will is starting to peter off a little bit just in his ability to um, drive this team forward along with Joseph. I I have to wonder a little bit if Scott is quite ready to take up that mantle. I think when I talked to Tim Sindrick uh, before last season, when Scott was still not had not yet started his rookie year, Tim was saying that he really hoped in year two and thought that that Scott could be a potentially a top five driver in this field. And you rattle off some of the names that he'd have to be ahead of. To, to be a top five guy here. And I'm just not sure if he's quite there yet. It doesn't mean he won't be by the month of May. It doesn't mean he won't be by, you know, the middle of this season when uh, this schedule really heats up when he's gotten several ovals along with some road and street courses under his belt. But I'm, I'm just really intrigued to see how this Team Penske team develops. For so long, we've 
known this team to have Joseph and Will and Simon uh, together really since 2015 when Simon joined them and with with one of them leaving and and another one maybe just with a little bit of some question marks I think I'm I'm just really interested to see how this team um, just continues to evolve uh, I think it could be a a really exciting season for that no matter how all of that pans out um, you'd mentioned Jack just the the excitement that Hy-Vee, uh has shown that you've gotten to experience some and and doing some some taping with them for some ads and uh, some really cool stuff that I'm sure we'll continue to start seeing as we get particularly closer to the uh, Iowa doubleheader weekend here in July. We saw I think it was last week the news that they've been able to bring in Google and DoorDash uh, as as uh, presenting sponsors of the Iowa Doubleheader Weekend. Is there anything that has really stood out um, that you've enjoyed working with those folks uh, over these last couple weeks and months before this IndyCar season has gotten underway? So many things, honestly. I think their, their commitment, uh, their enthusiasm, uh, their can-do, you know, like, to make a situation uh, happen has been incredible. Uh, and I know people can say it's a, it's a huge company and they've got a lot of the resources that they would need to make these things happen. But, you know, it, it's crazy that a couple of conversations and it's like, oh, that could be a good idea. And the next thing you know, it's like kind of happening. And if I'm really honest, I didn't really know too much about Hy-Vee until they came to IndyCar racing and then obviously saw them saw them a lot and having this opportunity to actually go to Des Moines and actually going and seeing Hy-Vee's getting to really experience, uh, you know, their company from, you know, headquarters level to actually just being in one of the stores. It's amazing. Uh, you know, family, sorry, family owned, it's an employee owned company uh, that, you know, really has that family feeling in it. And, you know, a lot of people have been there a long, long time. And, you know, we see that as, incredible people to to partner with i think it's amazing to bring in a store to indianapolis uh you know because then everyone in indy is also going to literally be able to go into the store get that same feeling that we have but even just their plans for the iowa race the fact they brought iowa back to the schedule which to be honest i think is a driver you know and a fan favorite and i know maybe there's not too much happening in newton sometimes but i mean that race weekend is going to be so incredible i just honestly i wish we could almost like fast forward and get there now, um, you know, while still enjoying the others. But um, they've been so great to work with. They're some very, very nice people. Uh, you know, they like the team. Obviously, we all have good expectations and good hopes for the year, and we hope we get that kicked off well at uh, St. Pete, of which, you know, they're going to be there. And, you know, as you mentioned, having, uh, you know, having Google, DoorDash, you know, Pepsi Company, you know, being a part of the uh part of our car kind of throughout the season, but also being presenting sponsors for them weekends, I think just really shows you the seriousness that Hy-Vee are putting behind IndyCar racing. You know, these are not just, you know, companies you've never heard of. I mean, these are companies that everybody knows. And I just personally feel proud to be the recipient of all the hard work that's gone in to get to this point, because really, you know, Hy-Vee had, you know, committed to uh, Iowa. They committed to the team before, you know, I was going to be uh, the driver. And right now I just feel like I'm 
I'm the one getting to come in and drive the car, which is obviously awesome. So at this moment, it's unusual where I say thanks to everybody who's been involved in creating this, you know, incredible partnership from RLL to Hy-V. You know, everyone at IndyCar has just been uh, it's been great. And you know, while while enthusiasm is high for it and commitment high, we want to go and get the best results on track because at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for as well. So. Um, yeah, I, that's what I mean. I think we're all just so ready, you know, to get the season started. There's such a good atmosphere right now within the team, as I've already mentioned. Um, you know, I just, I'm just proud to be a very small part of this uh, entire team and organization. Now, did I hear you right? Did you say that Google and, and DoorDash were actually going to be um, featured on on your actual number 45 car at some point throughout the year? Uh, at some point, I believe so, yeah. I mean, definitely through the uh, Iowa weekend. Uh, and now that I've said that, I'm wondering how much I'm really meant to be uh, <laughs> sharing any of the stuff that's been uh, been released. I, I did see a, a rendering, you know, a while ago that had uh, had them on. And uh, it, well, I wasn't sure yet if it was for just for Iowa race weekend or if it's for any others. So uh, I think the Iowa weekend is going to be really good fun. And I'm also going to be proud to represent all them people and uh, maybe we'll just have to wait and wait and see exactly who's on the car for uh, for St. Pete. So uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And honestly, like I, never in a million years that I think you would see, you know, Google on the side of one of the cars that I'm driving. So uh, I'm, I'm, although I played zero part or role, you know, in getting them on board, I'm, I'm still proud to, uh, to be representing a, you know, such a big, such big companies and you know actually i use doordash like every week so uh pretty pretty jazzed about that and to be honest like pepsi zero mountain dew zero coke zero all them things are good in my mind so uh, I'm, I'm happy i'm i'm really excited to see one thing that's really stood out to me as we've learned some more about this iowa weekend um i'm excited to see potentially if more indie car weekends can start to feel a little bit more like the major events that we've started to, I mean, see and feel and probably have kind of known for some time that Formula One race weekends feel like, particularly the the races that we've seen in the U.S., the U.S. Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas and from everything that I'm um, seeing and hearing about what this race in Miami is going to look like, the the you know the fact that we can have some concerts um, and some some ways to just make a race week and feel like it's more than just the stuff that's going out on track I think is really important for IndyCar to take another step in building uh, an audience of fans that are really interested and excited to come to a race weekend I know I, there's you know, just, I think just so many only so many people that you maybe have right now that are interested in spending the time and the money to come and watch an IndyCar race, particularly for the the on-track product for maybe races, let's say, outside the 500. Um, but there's, I mean, you look at all the people that Formula One, say, for example, uh, or even maybe NASCAR for to some extent from what we've seen out of the Clash and the Daytona 500, you know, there's a lot of people that are there because maybe they're a little curious about the racing, but there's something else that drew them there, whether it's a concert or whether it's some other activation or activity that's going on at or near around the track. And I think that sure. you know, 
we're starting to see uh, and hear a little bit about that when it comes to Iowa. I think we saw some of that when it came to Nashville um, and some of these other street races, you know, whether it's Long Beach or St. Pete, I think have always kind of felt like pretty big deals, but it's really exciting to see if we can can get some of that atmosphere to come to some ovals or or road course events outside of uh, the gates at 16th Street in, in Speedway, Indiana. So props to everyone there that's been putting that event together so far. And I, I definitely I, I think circled on my calendar. I think I think when just the conversations I've heard and been a part of and whatnot, I think Iowa is going to be and I'm not just saying this, you know, it's going to be an incredible weekend. Uh, I think most people are going to leave and it's going to become a, a must-go-to race on the schedule. And I completely agree with everything you just said. I think the Indy 500 clearly, and with every right as well to do this, is our crown jewel. You know, it's the one the drivers most want to win. It's got the biggest eyeballs. It's the biggest race. It's the greatest spectacle in racing. We all agree on that. However, sometimes the the difference between racing at the 500 and racing at another track is like chalk and cheese. And I think what F1 have been doing recently and NASCAR trying to do as well is every event needs to bring something unique, but also like maybe a bit more like grandeur to the event. And I'm I'm really excited to see what Hy-Vee do uh, in in July. Uh, you know, Iowa is such a, a fun place, makes sense with Hy-Vee being there. And I think that's where the next step of, the sport really goes to is because you're going to have, I mean, even people listening, like, I mean, I know people who go to the snake pit and don't even watch the race, you know? And I think when you start introducing these other things, I've got friends who have gone to formula one just to watch the music, you know, and like, there just happens to be a race at the same time. And then actually, before you know it, they're race fans too. So Mm -hmm. I, I would love to see some of the other events, and don't get me wrong, this is, I'm not I'm not digging or being down on any of the events. I love the IndyCar schedule. I love every track we go to. However, in terms of creating more of an event, you know, I think would really pay dividend, you know, in the long term in terms of trying to get more eyeballs on the sport, you know, try and get more fans just to come to the track, you know, stuff like that would be really good because I would say before this year, the people who go to Iowa and watch are like your hardcore fans you know like the absolute core of indycar racing they're the people that were there i think this year you're going to see a lot more people go for a lot of variety of reasons should we say um and i think honestly they're going to set the new template for races outside of indianapolis and Mm -hmm. i think that the more that we can do that in a nice way that also pushes everyone else to you know do more it just elevates each other, you know, over time. And uh, I think Iowa, Iowa race weekend is going to be epic. I, I, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I, I think you made a really good point there. You know, you, you, in the grand scheme of things, I think a promoter, when you're putting on, you know, say a concert, for example, I know that's the easy, easy, easy example to make when you're putting on something like that. Of course you love that someone would come to your, racetrack and it's another way to get them there and it's another additional revenue stream but i think the goal probably ultimately is as you said that someone will come to a race or a race weekend because they're 
excited about something else and then hopefully you turn them into at least a casual racing fan before that weekend's over with and get them interested enough to them wanting to come you know come back the the next year um i think there was a really interesting stat that i saw from uh from the nascar clash at the la coliseum a couple weekends ago i think it was something to the effect of like 70 percent of the people that bought tickets for that event um had never been to a nascar race before and i know that's a that is a an area of the country that nascar hasn't raced in a ton doesn't maybe have quite the culture um of of nascar country as you might say and and a lot of the draw of the event i think probably was a lot of curiosity about the racing um i don't know how many you know concerts or things like that but whether it's you know events off the track or just intriguing ways to hold racing events whether it's through an exhibition like the clash or an all-star race or um or just a brand new event in general i think everything that you're trying to do is trying to get more eyeballs on the sport and i know in indycar for a long time i think these last couple years as they've developed this relationship with nbc has been really focused on trying to do to to grow the sport through putting it in front of um, as many eyeballs as possible on TV channels, you know, getting as many races on NBC. We've got 14 this year, which is an incredible accomplishment for all of the folks over uh, at the, the Penske Entertainment offices, Mike, Mark Miles, Roger Penske, Bud Denker, um, everyone. But I, I do think hopefully we will see more things like this Iowa event um, that are just ways to expose people uh, to to IndyCar racing outside of just you know sitting on the couch and and flipping over to NBC and um, and happening to come across it and hopefully you know staying with it. The one thing I guess I was curious about I don't know how much you watched it um, this past weekend and I also don't know the viability of doing something like this with IndyCar, but. What would you think about IndyCar having some sort of an all-star weekend or just some sort of an exhibition that doesn't pay any points but is really just kind of strictly there to, uh, you know, be made a spectacle of or have have some fun that's not entirely drawn to or related to the, uh, you know, the season-long championship points race? You there, Jack? Oh, yep. I would say as a as a fan, first and foremost, which I am, that sounds awesome. I think that sounds great. Uh, I think the practicality of it uh, can get a little tough because, and I think you've seen it before, you know, the, The risk that comes with just an exhibition is is high. And if we go to somewhere before and you know there's a bunch of crashes or you know something like that that ends up actually bleeding into your race season, mm-hmm. at that point you should just extend the season and make it a part of the championship. Uh, you know, to me the the obvious one for IndyCar racing is to not have the Indy 500 a part of the championship. 
points because it is a great spectacle in racing. It's the biggest race of the year, but also, and I feel like we've been on the negative side of this, if you don't have a good 500, that can really impact your championship standing because it's a double points race as well. So would I be, I think it'd be fun to try and do something, but don't forget as well. I mean, with, you know, in, not IndyCar, but like, I think this year actually IndyCar was well represented with uh, Colton, Jimmy, Elio, you know, went to do the race of champions. And that is an exhibition where they pull, you know, a variety of drivers from all around, all around the world into like one place. And if you're going to do like an exhibition race, you know, it wouldn't, it well, definitely wouldn't be in Indy, you know, certainly not before May because obviously the 500, but also because the weather has been interesting. It's actually super warm here today, although it's raining and the weather here just gives me like whiplash by the way that's not that's not the question you asked uh i <laughs> i think it would be really really fun to have some form of exhibitional race to be honest with you if we were going to do that i almost think it would be fun to see indycar drivers do something outside of indycar yeah and then that's the thing like i don't know what it is or you could also make the 500 a single standalone event that doesn't contribute to the doesn't contribute to the championship either where IndyCar goes the other way and it's a double points finish. So, so I'm not sure to answer your question. I, I think, I think the, as a fan, I would love to see it, the practicality of it. I'm not, I'm not sure. So it's funny you mentioned that about the 500. I've gone two plus years covering this sport for, for the star. And I don't know that I personally had ever thought about that as an idea, nor do I think that anyone had ever brought that up to me. And you're the second person to mention it in the span of like four or five days. Um, I was having a conversation with someone at uh, at the 100 Days Out party on Friday night over at IMS, and, and someone brought that up to me. And I, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think it is a really, really interesting point because... I've I've always gone back and forth on, you know, is this whole idea of double points at the 500. And I think it's, I think in some ways it makes a lot of sense because yes, the 500 is the biggest race on the calendar. Um, it's the only 500 mile race we have. It's a race that teams pour far more resources, time, energy, money, parts, people, um, into winning it so if it's part of the championship i very very much can understand why that needs to have more weight when it comes to the championship than say you know winning saint pete for example obviously i know that you get points for where you qualify uh if you're in the top nine so there's something like that the factors in but that's not a, a major difference. The double points weight is is far more. But I think I do think you wage a very good point that the argument that so many, I mean, I think so many drivers that seems like that I talk to when I ask them about them make is that you know the we don't need double points because of what the winning this race just means from an intrinsic standpoint. And so I almost wonder. Sure. Right? I, I think I think if you I mean it would be an interesting experiment um, and I'm sure there would be some points some people that would push back against it but I think 
it could make a lot of sense um, to take away points altogether to say, you know, what, the, you're you're here, you're doing this because you want to win it. That's the the big reason we're here. You're not <laughs> you're not here to try to finish fourth or fifth sure. and you know pick up whatever that would be. You know, sixty or seventy points as you're trying to go and push for the the season championship. So I think that. Um, that makes a lot of sense and uh, would be a, maybe an interesting topic for a column um, that I'll have to explore here at some point. You know, uh, one thing that kind of just jumps into my mind, I think it when you talk about like an exhibition, and I don't know what car you do this in, but I think it'd be fun to take like, you know, the IndyCar field and equal amount of NASCAR field and put them together and do an exhibitional race that way. That would be fun. The one thing I worry about I with just, that is that Roger Penske, I feel like, turns, is turns so into a free for all, mate. No, it's it's a good point. The one thing I worry about is that like Roger Penske and and I think the you know the folks at the France family have done a lot over the last couple of years in trying to like heal this idea of division between the world of NASCAR and IndyCar that some fans have held on to for a long time. And I would worry or wonder if, you know, kind of pitting drivers against each other, if that would bring any of that back. I do think some sort of like race of champions, kind of like the, you know, the IROC thing that we had a couple decades ago, I think would be so cool to have. I know a lot of people would probably argue, well, we, you know, we have SRX um, that races in the summer, but it's a really tough thing for active drivers in either NASCAR or IndyCar or, I mean, frankly, Formula One yeah. participate in, and I think it would be super cool um, to see a lot of those active drivers. I agree, participate on on a level playing field, uh, kind of like as you mentioned, we saw with the race of champions over in uh, in Europe with Elio and Jimmy and and Colton. The one thing I wonder yeah, is, but- like, I don't know if the NASCAR season would really even allow for something like that at this point because it does That's go. A good point into november um it runs forever <laughs> it does and it, i have to say like when we go, we just came up today when i was at the team there's definitely a stretch this year that the indycar schedule is just brutal yeah however i think nascar do like what nearly double the amount of races we do yeah you know well, so that's just their that's just their normal you know but i think imagine this right imagine next year race of champion styled event you know Four drivers from different disciplines come together at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, um, you know, like a, in like some beach buggy, you know, or something that like none of us drive all the time and then just have like an exhibitional race. Like that would be, that would be fun. And I don't get me wrong. I thought last year at, uh, when Indy for what became the Brickyard, I thought that was really cool actually to be there the same weekend as nascar um the only thing that from and this is only my side and this might not be a popular opinion and i love the event and i thought it was awesome having people there at the same time the two premier series in north america i'm not sure i super love the feeling that indycar was there supporting like i think it's nice to go there as well as on like equal terms, but going there with this kind of like supported, like we're supporting that is 
it's great in terms of like cross community cooperation and friendship. And you know, at the end of the day, IndyCar, NASCAR, there's place for both of them. You know, that that, that competition shouldn't be like pitted against each other. I would just love to see IndyCar go in that moment and equally be there, not as a support series like Indy Lights is to IndyCar, but more of a, hey, we've just got two great racing series here today. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I, I felt a lot of that, whether it was with, you know, who got the the garages, you know, the, um, the space if, at IMS that was if, you know, pretty much the NASCAR folks and you guys were cordoned off to uh, a good ways away from the actual it, racetrack. And it felt pits. like that a bit to me, you yeah. know, and I, I think it'd be awesome. Why not just do both races same day? Start the yeah, IndyCar I mean, race was- at 11, start the NASCAR race at 2. Like, let's have it. That would be that would be awesome. As a fan, I would go to that for sure. Yeah, I think, and I think I've even asked Doug Bold about this a little bit, and he gave, if I remember right, I think his rebuttal to it was, you know, from a promoter's standpoint, that if you have one event one day and one event the other day, that you'll get more people combined coming to the track and paying for tickets and everything everything that comes with that having them on two separate days than if you say had this like mega race day and had them both say on sunday i think i think it would be you know if you're if you aren't on the financial side of it i think it would be a cooler event um because we still haven't seen we've seen indycar and xfinity race on the same track on the same day We've seen them both, uh, you know, both Cup and IndyCar at the same track, the same weekend. But to have them both run at the same track on the same day, um, be pretty cool. It would be. I think. I mean, I think that's the next step. But it, it comes down to, you know, is is IMS and everyone else who's in that decision making process willing to forego maybe some of the financial benefits of that. Uh, to make it just feel like a historic, monumental, um, big race day. And I mean, that's, I and guess, really what it comes down to in the grand scheme of things. For sure. And, like, I, and I completely understand that outlook. And this is where things get tricky, right? It's because my opinion is purely that of a driver and a fan. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there's so many more things that go into making them decisions, you know, and to be honest, like the financial aspects of all these things is one of the first things that gets considered because we all need the series or both series to do well, you know, and that's where the everyone's perspective really just comes from what is their, what is their role in the organization or, you know, what is your role when you go to the track? So, you know, I'm just giving you like purely as a fan what I would love to see. If, if you just said there's no financial implications, this is purely just that if you can dream it, you can do it. That's my perspective on some of it. And in reality, that's a uh, probably one of the last things that ever gets, you know, really considered because you need the speedway to do well. You want the speedway to do well. You want IndyCar to come out looking good. You want NASCAR to come out looking good. Uh, you know, so I completely respect and understand Doug's answer on that, and it's an exceptionally fair one. Um, you know, 
my, mine's more of just the what I would like to see if if all these other things weren't happening or weren't an issue. Sure. Well, I will. Uh, let's get to a couple questions here um, before we finish up this episode. Oh, oh yeah, have... I forgot about Saint Pete. <laughs> I know. I know. I got, have... I got in the heart of everything else. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll take a couple questions here. And then we'll we'll dive into St. Pete real quick before we wrap things up. Um, I'll do a I'll do a better job on this um, as we move forward with the season. Just getting some good questions from um, you guys. I, we always appreciate what you guys send in. Um, uh, this one from Alan on Twitter asks, um, "What engineering changes has Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing made to push the team closer to the?" Uh, quote unquote big three um, that of course referring to Team Penske, Chip Ganassi Racing, and Andretti Auto Sport. I know you've only been with the team for a couple months. Maybe don't know exactly how the team was organized uh, when it was Graham and Takuma last year. But what do you know about some of the um, engineering overhauls that this team has made in recent months? I think overhaul maybe is a slightly strong uh, word. You know, definitely there's been uh, some changes. Um, you know, like the, the the 45 car. Let's say uh, Michael Ambrose is going to be the lead engineer on that car. He was the assistant on Takuma's car for a long time under Eddie Jones, and you know he's got a wealth of IndyCar experience. He's been uh, promoted. Uh, my performance engineer Grant also has been given a promotion, but has been involved in IndyCar for a long time and you know I, I really have enjoyed working with them picking their brains and i mean there's no doubt that they're the very talented people they've also added people to the 30 car for christian uh, graham's team actually i believe is completely unchanged and i think that's where the continuity of people and their teams or their you know the, the car they're on with inside the team uh you know is nice because there's some new dynamics but there's some consistency uh and i think one of the things in the off season that we all chatted about was and i think this has been reported quite a lot is you know the differences across the team last year and how severe it could be at times and more just trying to get everybody onto something similar and i think when you're on something similar you know we go to that sebring test and suddenly you know i can try something graham can try something christian can try something and then just between us, we just work through more things, right? And especially if testing so valuable. But the thing that comes from that, not just from, you know, driving the car, but also from an engineering stance is understanding what changes each engineer wants to make, the change they made for each problem that we were having and how we're going to, you know, potentially attack an issue, uh, you know, or, you know, when we're trying to push for development. And that's really hearing at that moment, everyone's ideas and also not just trying to coordinate the drivers onto the same, you know, hymn sheet and page, but also engineering too. So I think that in reality, there's never enough good engineers, you know, on a race team. Um, you know, I'm very confident with the team around RLL right now. It was, uh, you know, one of the reasons we, we went, um, you know, I'm certainly really encouraged by last year, the race pace that, RLL had and the strategies that they seem to have, which was great. Um, so, some changes in the engineering department for sure. Probably not a probably not an overhaul, but um, yeah, I think every every 
situation or every every team seems very happy right now with the direction we go and um yeah i think it would just be something that evolves over time so a lot of lot of some changes but uh, i think all for the better got a, a question here from someone who must be a uh, a big fan of yours kyle uh Two zero zero four nine four asks, uh, "What is Jack doing to celebrate when he wins the Indy Five Hundred?" Oh, honestly, uh, I just I hope that my I hope my parents are there. I hope my girlfriend's <laughs> there. Uh, I'm going to be drinking some spotted cow. That is exactly That's what I'm cool. going to be doing. You will probably find me outside of my bus, hopefully uh, in May, just you know chugging spotted cow. And, you know, I hope we wake up with a headache the next day and just take the victory pictures. And, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when it comes to, like, partying, I think, you know, our resident partier uh, is probably Connor, uh, you know, not to disclose anything. But if, you know, follow him on social media, you'll see it. He's our our stud of Vegas, you know, which actually was really cool for him this year. I'm really happy that he got his drive. But he said the other day that he actually met his newest sponsor in Vegas. So, he did. you know, clearly potential, clearly potential for that. So I can, I respect it. Uh, but my, my celebration will be perhaps a little more intimate, equally as, you know, fun, I like to think, but uh, more just a, uh, just a party at the track, mate, honestly. So, so Spotted Cow, so you're a big uh, Road America Weekend fan. I know that's a beer that it's tough to uh, to get here. Oh, in the- mate. I I love Spotted Cow. Okay. I, I love Road America. Do you know, also, side note on Road America, the best Italian food that I've ever had outside of Italy is in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Mind-blowing. I know. No one ever expects it, but I'm telling you. So Road America can be such a fun like weekend. And to be honest, there, we've qualified really well there the last couple of years, and we just have never had you know a great end result. And this is really bad. I don't know if I told you at the time, but I'll share it now because, you know, the feelings are dissipating a bit. <laughs> but last year, I was so mad when we left Road America <clears throat> that I stopped uh, at a gas station and I had two slices of Casey's gas station pizza. Shame at them on the way home, which, by the way, was awesome. On the same trip home, I got uh, some spotted cows. I didn't know how much I had at home. And then when I got home, I sat on my balcony and drank like four bottles just like back to back just to like <laughs> take away the hurting you know so that was uh, that was kind of funny but uh yeah i love i love spot cow it's easy drinking to me you know like i'm not to be honest and this is a really sensitive point like i know a lot of people here like bud light miller light cora's light stuff like that they're not my favorite beer mm-hmm. uh but you know I, I have to say like i'm a big cider guy you know i love spotted cow i love ciders uh, I'm not too hoppy, you know, when it comes to beer, to be honest. But uh, if we, I, honestly, if we if we win in Road America this year, we'll have a good party there too. Actually, not, let me rephrase that. If we win anywhere this year, we're gonna have a great party, and we've got to prove you wrong. So that's at the top of the uh, at the top of the list. There you go. So you're a, a cider guy. So I know my wife's uh, favorite place in the Indy area is uh, Ash and Elm. Is that a place that you've been to? Oh yeah, I like Ash and Elm. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I should know that's strong. It's strong. I don't like um, not too uh, not too sweet, but not too dry either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, one more what's question. Your drink choice. Um, I actually am. I don't know. I go back. I'm like a very seasonal. 
beer drinker. Like my t- like a, a you know, I'll, I'll drink like a stout or a porter in the winter time that I might only buy between oh. You know, October, November, December, and like January, February. I don't know. It's weird. And then I'll, oh, you know, I'll drink. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and then, I mean, like in general, I'm, I'd say I'm like an IPA guy. Um, give really? me like a, a pretty standard IPA, and I'll be fairly happy. Um, but it really kind of, you know, I'm, I'm one of those cheesy people that'll, you know, dive into a pumpkin beer in, in October. No. Like the one time I know, I know, but there are some really good ones. There's, I, oh my god, I was literally about to say our whole friendship and you know, future as podcasters was about to come down to one question, and that question was going to be, do you have pumpkin flavored in the fall? And you just said yes. I don't, I don't do pumpkin flavored. Like I'm not, you know, pumpkin spice latte guy at Starbucks or anything like that. Yeah, right. I'll have a pumpkin beater. Um, uh, totally the one that's my favorite right now because I, <laughs> I only have it a couple times a year. But yes, I am guilty of that. I will, uh, I will admit to it. Honestly, I feel like I'm in a daze now that you said you like the pumpkin flavored beer. I, I can't, I can't remember what day it is. <laughs> well, I don't remember what day it is for lots of reasons. Between uh, getting ready for <laughs> and fatherhood and everything, um, it's been yeah. Uh, how how is sleep been that's that's one thing i always wonder like how is how has sleep been yeah so for the most part um teddy's been sleeping through the night my wife and i were going back and forth we were trying to remember exactly how long he's been doing this i think it's been a better part of maybe close to a month that he's been sleeping like eight nine ten even last night like 11 hours straight um which has been super awesome Especially when I've been back, uh, back at work, um, having that has been a huge help. It it also then means he doesn't nap a ton during the day, so there's a give and take of that. But I will tell you, um, especially you know when I when I wasn't working and was you know still on leave with uh, my wife Daniela, the uh, the days where you'd get as a parent eight or nine hours of sleep, and then just have to you know spend time and you know, play, play with him, read with him, just kind of keep him awake because he doesn't nap much during the day. Those days are so much better than the ones where you're yeah. waking up like three hours at, uh, at night, you know, getting up, uh, at like 11 PM, 2 AM, 4 AM, 6 AM and changing diapers and then, you know, getting them fed and everything. It's, uh, we've, we've been out, out of that for probably three or four weeks now. And it has been, uh, it's been really nice, I will I will say, and uh, hope that any other new parent out there either is at that point or can get to that point soon because your quality of life uh, gets drastically, drastically better. One thing I've always been curious on, and maybe you could shed some light on this, because I, and I ask every you know new father over time, like what's the what's the number one thing that shocked you, and what's the number one thing that you thought was going to be surprising but has been like super easy. Or more, more uh, easy than what you expected. Shocking. I think I'm, I'm shocked. I, I or or was, um, just like when you notice that your child, your son, in my case, like is genuinely starting to like recognize you, like when he hears your voice, or when you like, you know, 
get him out of his crib and you know he's got a big smile on his face because he like sees a that there's someone here and b I, you get the sense that they recognize you i mean that's like one of the coolest things in the world um just to get yeah, this smile on his face um one of the biggest i mean maybe the things that hasn't been as difficult i mean i'll i'll just kind of fall back on this like i i'd never changed a diaper in my life i don't know that i have thought was going to be like a big challenging thing but i was just <laughs> curious to know like i you know i was nervous about like am i going to put it on right is he gonna you know <laughs> go you know leak out and have a bunch of messes everywhere but for the most part we've been pretty lucky to that effect so we've been um, that's been a lot easier than maybe i wondered um how all of that was was going to be so we're two months in i certainly wouldn't call us you know pros but we're getting by it day by day and things have been going well awesome so uh i got one more question my wife actually put uh a request wow. for this and when she heard that we were going to be taping she's a uh, she herself is a as a really big uh baking fanatic she one of the things that actually has gotten her through her maternity leave is being able to just like bust out some some cookies or a cake or just some like fun stuff to not nice. just be so, solely in mom mode all the time so she was curious in your off season since you've been had some more time away from the track uh what your favorite thing was that you had uh baked since we finished up at long beach uh ooh, that's a good question uh, i think the uh, it's not about the thing that I can make the best or the thing I enjoy making the most because I mean they're kind of different. Because uh, to be honest with you, I love making uh, I love making cinnamon rolls. I love making monkey bread, which I'd never had until I came to Indiana, and I love it. That being said, both of them feel like they, it's effort. You know, and that's not just <laughs> a two second, it's not a two second job. There's there's some time commitment to it, and uh, I I would say is, this is silly, but like. I love banana bread. Uh, you know, my girlfriend Gracie loves banana bread, and I feel like I'm getting close to perfecting banana bread. Uh, so I spent some effort in the off season, kind of getting that right. My carrot loaf is also good. Um, okay. But man, to be honest, when it comes to like dessert, I'm I'm pretty basic. You know, I'm not having pumpkin spice things like you, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty basic when it comes to desserts. You know, I just want like kind of not even warm, but like kind of you know, slightly warm cookies and like ice cream. That's a, like, you can't so, really go wrong with a good, a good homemade right? cookie. Whether it's, yeah, I think ice cream, that's probably the thing I would love to put with it. I think, uh, I think I'm a pretty simple dessert guy and my wife loves Same. to bake some different, not some different stuff, but she just like really likes to make lots of different things and try out new recipes. And I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to, you know, if she's going to ask me to, put a request in when it comes to that so i know i was curious i'm i'll have to try that yeah. banana. I'm, I'm a pretty big banana bread fan um but i've only tried a couple recipes so i'm interested to see uh to where your near perfection uh recipe is and how that works i, th I think you know i'm happy to disclose it i feel like one of the games i made and which i'm sure everyone was really excited about hearing by the way <laughs> uh, one of the games that i made making banana bread is like i put in a little bit of flour first then i put in like a little bit of banana and then i alternate back and forth but ending with flour so then okay. it doesn't like shock the mixture and it definitely has baked better 
since then, which I, I know everyone's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to go and bake this banana bread now. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of our podcasts, but, you know, these are the things I do in the off season, you know, kind of the off season for me has been about, you know, kind of baking, you know, finally getting back to the movies, watching more movies, but also, you know, going play pigeon shooting more and things like that. Um, you know, simulator time at, uh, you know, with Honda getting ready for St. Pete, but uh, maybe we'll have to have a bake off, you know, me and your wife, because, you know, my sister makes these really interesting combinations of stuff. And I'm, I'm very uh, traditional, I would say, with like my flavors, but I like to think that they're slightly better than average. So you're never going to have something from me and be like, oh my God, but you know, that I can't believe you put this combo together. Like, you know, the combos <laughs> are very, you know, I'm simple, you know, too, when it comes to food, honestly, like I just like simple food. Uh, so that clearly goes in my baking, but I like to think that I do it slightly okay. Um, so yeah, man, it's such a balance though, because like, there you go, I love baking, but like if I don't have people to give it away to, I'm just in my kitchen and I'm walking past banana bread all day. I'm like, well, maybe I should make sure it's still good on day two. Or I'll make sure it's still good on day three. You know, That's things like that. Because you, you, you don't want to serve it up and it not be right. Exactly. That's the pro- That's the thing when she and I have been, you know, I mean, especially during the pandemic, you know, she's been doing a good amount of baking, just kind of, you know, pass the time and have, I mean, honestly, in those first couple of months in 2020 to have <laughs> something to look forward to when we were stuck in our houses for so long um but yeah that's the problem um when you've got someone who loves to bake a lot you've kind of in uh in so many ways end up eating a lot of it and that has meant that i've got to uh be a little bit more mindful of how many times i'm getting to the gym each week i'll uh, i'll just just put it there but uh it's you know because you got as a as a baker very very loosely using that term that i you know happens just to bake occasionally you know, you want to make sure you're serving good stuff, so you got to try it. So really, awesome. in the in the kindness that I have towards everybody who tries it, you know, really, it just it's hard on me when I get to the gym, you know. And that's just the level that I'm prepared to go to make sure that, <laughs> you know, food still tastes well for everybody. <laughs> a good point. For anyone who doesn't understand my humor yet, clearly I'm joking. You know, <laughs> I always spend a ton of time in the gym. Uh, oh, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's certainly been fun. I, uh, it, honestly, I just find it... Uh, I honestly have a great British Bake Off on as like background noise, like most of the week. Uh, so you know, all them, all them things are fun, and you know, the thing that I've, the thing that I think I found this off season was a really nice balance of working really hard at my craft and really having that quality time to dial in with with the team. And obviously, it's a new team, so I want to you know impress them and deliver great performances as a you know thank you for giving me this opportunity, but also having that time to do all the things that I just enjoy doing. Uh, and I feel like I'm really getting a good balance of, of all them things now. And, um, you know, I wish the Colts had a slightly better end of their season. That stressed me out a little bit. Uh, I finished second in my fantasy football. That really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's been, a, it's been a good off, it's been a good off season, but, uh, you know, honestly ready to run it, ready to just get this ball rolling again. You know, everyone, everyone feels so good then. You know, might as well just crack on. Well, with that, we will uh, head uh, into the end of our first episode of the season. Um, uh, you just did a little rundown of how this whole weekend works. Again, we've got um, 
practice one on Friday afternoon. Let's see, it's at uh, 3.40. Another one of those 45-minute practices for you guys, followed by practice two Saturday morning, 9 a.m., followed by qualifying uh, at 12.30. And then we've got warm-up Sunday morning um, at 8.45, followed by a season opening IndyCar race. I believe the race starts at 12.25. Uh, race broadcast, I believe, starts at noon for all you fans out there who are watching on NBC, on Peacock, streaming, however you may choose to watch. If we've got any folks who are watching from outside the United States on your respective uh, IndyCar broadcast partner channel, uh, that'll do it for this first episode of 2022 of IndyCar Weekly. Thanks, as always. Uh, Jack, for joining me. Um, happy to see you with a, a new opportunity here as we head into this season and, and excited to see what you and uh, the folks at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing and uh, and Hyvee and Honda are able to do with the number 45 this year. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week to break down uh, the season opener at St. Pete. Thanks for listening.